Hola. Hello. Bienvenidos a Entredo. A podcast about raising bilingual children. I do like to read with my mama. I'm Monica. And I'm Paula. Bienvenidos a Entredos. A podcast about raising bilingual children. We hope you enjoyed our last episode with Cantico's creator, Susie Jaramillo. If you liked what you heard, please subscribe and tell us what you think by rating and reviewing the podcast. Also, if you have any friends who are raising bilingual children and think might be interested, please share the podcast with them. We'd love to share what we are learning as we go. And today we're talking to Vanessa Nielsen about her book service, Soul Book Box, where you get a curated Spanish children's book monthly. Um, we wanted to talk to Vanessa because we're constantly trying to find good books in, in Spanish, right? Yes, you've heard us say it probably in almost every episode that it's been kind of a quest for us. They're hard to find, but I think that more and more we see more online Spanish language bookstores and services like Vanessa's that are kind of helping us have a, a place to find these books. Yes. And, and you know, it's, it's, it, the options are growing because here in Miami, for instance, um, the first sort of mainstream Spanish language bookstore opened up, um, I think it was about a year and a half ago. And that was so exciting mm -hmm. because, you know, you go in there and you don't have to go to the little corner, right? <laughs> in the bookstore right. to find the, the, the foreign sort of language books, you know, you go in there and everything is in Spanish. So that's, that's really exciting. Um, and I've been thinking a lot this week about, about reading, mainly because I, I finished reading a book um, called by C.S. Lewis, it's called An Experiment in Criticism. And it's, it's, it's kind of a, um, like a reflection about the the great power of literature and how it can impact your life. Um, but in there, it said something that got me thinking. Um, it said that there are no good or bad books, only good or bad readers, which is interesting. Right. It puts sort of the onus on you. And, and I, I kind of wished that it made me feel sort of introspective and really, you know, sort of think deeply about this, but it really made me self-conscious and worried. <laughs> <laughs> and, you know, I don't like the idea of policing experiences, but I started thinking about my reading habits and how I'm setting up my daughter for her, her own reading journey. And right now it's simple for us. You know, we read with our daughters because it's fun and it's something that you should do. And, you know, in our particular experience, it builds their Spanish skills. Right. But, but is there something more that we should be doing? You know, is, is there something more that we should be looking at? So, you know, Paula, help me. What do you do with Amelia? Uh, well, our reading ritual is pretty simple, too. And we've kind of stuck to bedtime. Um, that's when we do most of our reading. And one thing you'll hear Vanessa say in the interview is that bedtime sometimes is a difficult time for reading because you are, it is the end of the day, the day and you are tired. And sometimes you might not be at your best for reading. Some days you're fine. Some days you just want them to go to sleep. So it's a little hard, but that's just how it's been. And we pick two to three books and read them at night and 
that's just been how it is. And it's always, she always wants to read with me at bedtime, not dad, which makes dad kind of sad sometimes, but that's just how I think because it's been that way since she was very young, um, she expects it and it's like our time. So it's, it's sometimes I wish we read more throughout the day, but now she's gone for most of the day. She started kindergarten. So she has a long day and, and, um, when she comes home, she'll want to read to me now, sometimes from the books that they're oh, that's practicing awesome. at school. Mm-hmm. And even at bedtime now, she wants to read to me or she'll say, okay, I read this page and you read that page. But it's always been um, at, right before bedtime. And our conversation with Vanessa made me think that maybe I should try to create other opportunities for us to read together. Yes. And also, it made me think that I should be doing more reading in front of her because I tend to, I tend to read a lot on my devices, and she doesn't see me with books very often. And you guys will hear in our conversation with Vanessa that modeling is important, obviously. And so that's one thing that I've also been thinking about. And it's hard to make time to sit I, to sit t- down and read for an extended a book for an extended amount of time. It is, but I, it's yeah. something that I'll be more conscientious about, yeah. more intentional about. We've yeah. been trying at home to put down the the devices and actually read more an analog content. Mm-hmm. Uh, we. We used to subscribe to the Sunday newspapers, you know, the big national newspapers. We read our local paper every day. Um, and now we're, we're, we did it again. You know, we, we, now we're getting the New York Times. And so it sees us reading every morning, you know, the newspaper. You know, I, I don't get to read as many books as I wish, you know, I, I could because especially long books. I mean, it, it'll take yeah. me months and it's hard to sort of grasp into onto a storyline when I you know I read a page you know 10 pages one day and then I have to wait a whole other week to to read another 10 pages that's not really fun it's a little stressful and you don't want reading to be stressful right uh and and you know it's it's funny because for me I don't my husband puts Zoe to bed so I don't read to her at bedtime I usually read to her on demand and it's more unstructured. Uh, usually it's after school and, you know, we'll get home and, and, you know, we're just trying to find things to do and I'll offer her to read a book or sometimes she'll ask me. And it used to be difficult to do because, you know, when you get home, the, the afternoon calls, right? The early evening where you have to do a gajillion things. You have to cook mm-hmm. and that, or you have to, you know, I don't know, unpack the, the, the lunchbox or just do all the little things that, that you have to do to get everything ready for the night. But I stopped worrying about those things and really paying attention to what she was asking me to do. And really that's my time with her. So if she wants to read, then let's do it. The lunchbox can wait. <laughs> and yeah, and, and it's and it's fun because it it really is, it has it, there's no agenda. It's just sort of sitting together and reading something fun that we enjoy and, and it's it's nice and it's a it's a bonding ritual for me. 
um, that that's what reading is for 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 me um, with my daughter. It's about just sitting together and having that quiet moment where we're just focused on one thing. Yes, same here. I think that's kind of the quiet. And since it is at bedtime, it's kind of end of the day and it's that quiet moment, no distractions. We're just reading. And she loves it. She she really, really, really loves it. There were times where she'd fall asleep when while I was reading, but that rarely happens now because she's very into the book, um, whatever we're, we're reading. And she's reading parts of it or she's asking questions or, you know, she gets more now that she's <clears throat> almost six, she's kind of more involved with the story. So it's it's also been interesting to watch that evolution in the ritual from when she was younger and it was more that kind of the rhymy young toddler books that she would want to hear again. Sometimes she'd want to hear the same book over and over again to now. Oh, it's, yeah. more, <laughs> it's more interactive and more conversational. Like she talks about the book and what's happening and why it's happening. So it's great. And, and, you know, that's another aspect of fostering, uh, that second language, because not only is she listening to the story and growing vocabulary and connecting and all this thing, but now there's also a conversation around the book. So to me, it's it's been really, it's fun to watch. And it's, I also love it when she, you know, has these conversations with me in Spanish. So it's a, it's a good ritual to have. Well, you know what, based on what you just said, I mean, according to C.S. Lewis, you you two are good readers. You're doing good. I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I used to read so much when I was younger, but now I don't. And I, I don't as much as I'd like to. But you're right. Most of my reading happens when we go on trips, like I'll read on the plane. Yeah. And I can get a good chunk of reading done. done. But otherwise, it's it's like you. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. And then, you know, it, I end up kind of abandoning the book. Yeah, but I'm going to try a little harder there. Okay, so Vanessa, thank you so much for joining us. We're so happy yeah, to have you here. It's my pleasure. I'm excited. And you know, today I got my email that my soul book box is on its way oh yeah my confirmation that's, like, <laughs> that's a good time of month because i feel like people are like oh yeah it's on the way it's coming yes i'm excited i want to know what 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 you know your this month's offering is <laughs> it's a good book i won't spoil the surprise but it's a good one and and you know one thing that we always like to talk about in the show is about how your like our guest bilingual family works, right? Because every bilingual family is different. You know, we each have our own little special formula for getting that second language in every day. And mm -hmm. we wanted to know what's what's your secret sauce? <laughs> well, <laughs> I mean, my kids are still pretty little. My oldest is three and then the baby is one. So we're, you know, we're still figuring it out. But so far, what we've done, we, we only speak Spanish at home. So my husband was born in Ecuador, raised in New Jersey, and then I am Mexican, born and raised in Mexico. So, so far, we just speak Spanish with them and know that they 
will learn English pretty much from everyone else. Um, my oldest goes to preschool just two times a week, and it's Spanish immersion preschool, and still, like, she comes home speaking English. So we really don't worry about the English and just focus on as much Spanish as possible from everywhere and, you know, do what we can to make sure that foundation is really set so that when they go to regular school or, you know, as they grow, then they'll just pick up English and hopefully have both. You, that's interesting that you mentioned that because we had somebody in our Facebook group this week was mentioning that they have a three-year-old and they're, they only speak Spanish at home. And she was a little worried about, you know, the English. But I think that most people that we, we've talked to and even our own daughters, like they pick it up very quickly. I think it's probably more important to establish that second language, right? Yeah, that's home. how we feel. You know, my, my grandma, she's an English teacher and she is American. And she, since since my daughter was born, has been like really worried about the fact that we're not speaking English to her at all. And, you know, it's been kind of hard because she she can't, she can now, but at first she couldn't really communicate with like my grandma or people that spoke English. We'd go to the playground and <laughs> little kids would try to talk to her and, or she would try to speak to them and, you know, they didn't understand each other. And that was, it's tough to watch, you know. So I just... I just have faith and I, she is already, so it's working out that she'll pick it up. But yeah, in the beginning, it can be kind of challenging and you just wonder if you're doing the right thing by focusing only on Spanish. I think we are, but I've had my moments of doubt. I think we all do a little bit. <laughs> yes, we do. But the experts would agree with your strategy based on, on our reporting. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So that helps me keep the faith. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Oh, I was going to switch over. I was going to ask you about your business, Soul Book Box. And, you know, it was born out of kind of that need of finding good books in Spanish for your children, correct? Could you tell us a little bit about how it came about? Yeah, I mean, it's a very personal business for me because it really is filling a need that I had. So for me, reading is like is the best tool for fostering bilingualism because it's like a relatively low effort, but super, super high impact to like introduce new vocabulary and make it organic or even to have your kids hear words they already know, but in a different context. So if you're super tired and, you know, it's the end of the day, you know for sure that you're helping your kids work on their Spanish just by reading a book. Besides the fact that it creates like all these nice memories of, you know, sitting with your parents and or snuggling up in bed, or sitting on their lap and having like this moment to connect and look at some pretty pictures and hear a nice story. So I'm a big reader and I, you know, started looking for books for my kids in Spanish. And as I'm sure you guys know and have experienced, it was just kind of hard to find. I mean, it was very hard to find books that, you know, were originally written in Spanish and not translations. Some translations are great. Um, some translations are terrible. <laughs> and I was just seeing the same books over and over. Like I'd go to my library and they had a little shelf of Spanish books compared to like, you know, five or six or 10 of English. And so it was just kind of like the same books over and over, the same with bookstores. And I would go on Amazon and like obsessively read reviews of books so that I could bring them in that way. But that was just kind of time consuming. And I was like, well, I got things to do. So <laughs> I don't have time to, <laughs> to be here all day. And I'm sure that other parents are in the same boat. So I was like, it would be nice if somebody just handed me a bunch of Spanish books every once in a while on a platter and I could just read them instead of spending my time looking for them, spend more time actually reading them. 
So that was kind of the origin of Sol Book Box. I figured the other parents were in the same boat as me. And I was like, well, maybe I should be that person to hand people books and to curate so that they don't have to. And, and Vanessa, what do you look for in a children's book when you're evaluating your selections? Yeah, so I read them all very carefully. I never send out a book that I haven't read and looked through and usually read to my daughters to, to make sure it's a kid-friendly book. Um, I always look at the illustrations. I, I want them to be, you know, beautifully done and kid-friendly if they're bright, even better, but just to make sure that the art is really lovely. And then, of course, the storyline to make sure that the plot is good, that there's no weird endings. And if it's a translation, to make sure that the translation okay. makes sense, there's no typos and no you know, words that don't exist. So just make sure that it's a really high quality book that I would be proud to have in my house and, you know, feel good about sending to other parents. And and what tips would you give to parents, you know, when they're out there, let's say at the bookstore or they're looking through Amazon, for instance, um, or they're at a book fair? How do you select good books? Let's say when you're confronted with a ton of books that are in front of you. What what would you do? I think if you're in that situation, then you, I mean, tienes ventaja, you know, because you can look through them and you can see what appeals to you and what you think will appeal to your kids. But I think that's pretty good criteria. Like make sure the illustrations are good and kid-friendly. Make sure the story makes sense and is engaging. And if it's a translation, make sure it's a good translation. That's, I feel like those are, you know, those will give you a good book that, your parent, I mean, your kids will like reading or like listening to you too, and that you as a parent will enjoy reading because if you're reading to your kid, like it should be fun for both parties, you know, not, it should be enjoyable for the parent as well as for the kids. So if it's a book that you're not really into, that's just, there's so many good books that's in the world. True. Like why would you spend time on one that's not great? Yes, that's true. I tend to, th there are books that we have in our home that I just love reading. I, just the way that they're written, they just, it's just sort of flows very nicely. And I just, I encourage my daughter to pick those up because I have fun <laughs> with them too. Um, and, you know, one thing that, and as, and this might happen when your kid gets a little older, my, my daughter is four, um, but she now has preferences of the, you know, the, the storylines, for instance, she really is into, um, niños traviesos kind of stories, you know, <laughs> kids doing, you know, going off the beaten path and, and doing things that might be a little bit naughty. She loves that. You know, oh, she also nice. loves information, information books, you know, things that now she's really into this book. That's, you know, um, a catalog of animals really beautifully illustrated. So she, she, she's, so I, I try to, that's another thing that parents could pay attention to, right? Like what, what does your kid like? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think that's why it's so important to fill your home with books that are great because yeah, the same thing happens with my daughter. She definitely has the books that she likes and books that she's not a huge fan of. And I try to make those coincide with books that, that I like. Um, so if, you know, there's a bunch of books that I don't necessarily love and those turn out to be her favorite, like that's just unfortunate because those are the ones we read. Of course, I let her pick. So if you have only books that you both like, then, you know, your odds are good that it'll be an enjoyable experience for both both parties. One thing that you talk about in your social media and on your blog as well, which is bilingual bookworms, right? Mm -hmm. um, yep. You You talk a lot about 
fostering that love for reading and creating a reading home. Could you share some tips with parents about how to kind of build that love for reading or encourage them, especially as they get older, to to continue to read and to continue to love it? Yeah, I think a super important one for us as parents is that you really have to model that behavior for your kids. You know, if they never see you pick up a book, if they don't see you read, then there's really no motivation for them to do it. And they probably will conclude that it's not that great if, if you're not doing it, you know, why should they or why why is it good for them? So that's really my best tip. And that's why I try to feature books for adults as well as for kids. If you need some inspiration or just things to read, I know as parents sometimes or usually, I, I probably always actually, we're busy and I feel like sometimes reading gets bumped to the bottom of our list. But I think that's really important for kids to see that it's fun for us too, that we enjoy it too, you know, if we're trying to encourage them that it's something they should be doing. So that's one for sure. Um, I think another one, super important one, is to keep books everywhere, really, and keep them a la mano. Because just like with anything else, like the clothes you wear the most are the ones that are on top of your drawers or easy access in your closet. The toys that get played with the most are the ones that are in the front or, you know, easily available. So it's the same with books. If you if you don't have them available, then they won't get reached for. So keep them around. Um, we have them all over the house. We have some in the bathroom, in la sala, of course, in the girls' room. I even keep some in the car so we can read when we're out and about. Um, and and along with that, you can reach for them at all points in the day. I feel like a lot of times, like we think about reading at bedtime, the bedtime story. Um, but I don't know about you guys, by the time we get to bedtime, sometimes I'm like, I just need you guys to go to bed. And reading is like one more thing in the bedtime routine <laughs> that sometimes at that point in the day, neither of us is super excited about doing. So I try to interspersed reading throughout the day and not leave it all for the end when it may or may not happen. Like you don't have to read for long, long periods of time, two or three minutes, several times a day will add up to 15 or 20, which is what's recommended. So just keep them around, try to reach for them throughout the day and um, let yeah, let your kid be able to access them easily too. Because even if they're pre-readers, like my daughter, she's three, she'll still pick up the books and like look through them and some of them she has memorized by now, so she like reads them to herself or to her little sister. And just that mm -hmm. act of even mimicking reading sets them up for good habits later on when they can actually read. And now that you're you're talking about access, right, to books, um, and you mentioned, for instance, that you were going to the public library um, and you couldn't find a, a, a substantial collection of books in Spanish, right? Mm-hmm. What do you think that we could do in our communities to get more Spanish language books in in those public spaces? Um, you know, I, I'm glad you asked that. I love the library, and I feel like sometimes when I talk about this, I don't want it to seem like I'm dissing the public library because I think they're great and they do such phenomenal work. But the reality is that, you know, the Spanish collections in many, in, if not most, are just small. So I think the best thing you could do is just befriend your librarians and let them know that there's a need for that if if they're not Spanish-speaking and they need some help curating good books or looking for good Spanish books and that's something you feel comfortable helping out with, you know, offer to lend a hand there. But just to make sure that they know that we're out here, we're out there, uh, bilingual parents or parents of bilingual kids, and that's a need that we have and we're willing to help out with it. I don't know if that's necessarily you know, top of their minds when they're doing their job. 
which they're super good at, you know, but I think they could use a little, a little bit of help every now and then, depending on where in the country you're located. Definitely. And we love public libraries here, but, but it's definitely an issue even here in, in Miami. Um, my library has maybe half a shelf of Spanish language books, which is in Miami. That's a little strange. Yeah, most of yeah. them are, are, are good quality books, but but it, it is, and I always I I have I have a very hard time getting my daughter to that little corner <laughs> to get the books <laughs> because most of the displays, especially now during the summer, which is a big time for public libraries, right? Mm -hmm. They're they're for the English language books. So yes, our local librarian is awesome, and and we've talked to her about that before, and and she's she is doing something about it. But but yeah, talk to your librarian. They're always waiting, you know, for for people to to um to really communicate what their needs are, and maybe you can host a Spanish language story time in your yeah, communities. Yeah, for sure, yes, those are hard to find too. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Yeah, and I think they would appreciate it, especially if they don't speak Spanish. You know, how are they? How can they know? How or how are they going to do it without our help? So I think it's really on us as parents to step up there and you know, be the change we want to see in the world. <laughs> That's true. You've been recently uh, talking a lot about, or you created an email course, right, about raising bilingual kids, which was a lot of fun. And you got feedback from parents about their challenges and stuff. Can you talk a little bit about that and maybe share some of those tips or some of the challenges that you also heard from parents? Yeah, you know, with my business, it's a subscription service. So I send out the books, but I just felt like there was I mean, there, there was more that I could be doing. So as I was trying to think like, how, how can I be of more service or how can I help people out? I kind of kept hearing the same things over and over from the parents that were getting my books. And I, over the course of several months, like started compiling these questions and I figured out that the easiest way to address all of them would be to just do this e-course. E so it's a five day e-course. Um, it features several lessons on how you can foster Spanish in your house and how you can raise readers. And, you know, the last one is like a motivational email for parents so, to know that you're not alone and to offer some tips for parents too. you know, on the days when you feel like things are not going as you planned or you're just tired, you're a little bit burnt out. Let me see tips from that. Well, my number one tip is to sign up for it. <laughs> that way you get all of the tips. Um, but I think a really important part is to look for a community of parents that are like you that are raising bilingual kids. And I love that you guys with this podcast are starting that, you know, community of other people that are doing it and then also providing resources for us as parents to listen to. I think that's super important just to not feel like you're alone because depending on where you live and if you live by family members that speak Spanish or not, it can sometimes feel kind of lonely, like to be the only one <laughs> doing this thing that you're doing, like the only one speaking to her kids in Spanish in public, the only one speaking Spanish exclusively at home or whatever it is that you're doing and not really have that support around you. Um, or even if you do happen to live by your parents, I know a lot of my parents um, grew up with parents that wanted them to learn English. You know, that was like a general generational thing where parents were like, no, we, we want to make sure you're fluent in English and did so at the cost of Spanish. So a lot of the people that get my books are now teaching themselves Spanish, even though they are of Latino heritage, but they didn't necessarily uh -huh. learn it at home. So Vanessa, did you say that there you have parents that are subscribing to your 
to your book service that are also using the books to learn Spanish? Yeah, yeah, a lot of that's them awesome. Are. I know <laughs> yes. it's, you know, I think it's so inspiring to be to be willing to be that example, like to the point where you're doing something that you don't know how to do, like you're learning right along with your child because you think it's that important. And a lot of them aren't even like Latino, they're, you know, from other places, but they just feel like it's important for their kids to learn Spanish and are willing to do it right alongside them. So I think that's pretty cool. That is, and it's encouraging that the ones that weren't taught by their parents still have enough interest to teach their children, even though they don't know it themselves. What books are you loving right now? Could you share some recommendations with us of things, books that we should be on the lookout? It's summer, and so and it's a big time where every you know Barnes and Noble and the library, everybody is trying to encourage kids to continue reading, especially those who go to school already. And there's that summer slide where they tend to kind of slip back a little bit on their skills. So we'd love to hear if you have any fun recommendations for, for books that we could pick up for our kids. Oh, man, I feel like this is like asking you to, to pick a favorite child. <laughs> I was thinking about this question and I was like listing books and I got to like 10 and I was like, oh, I don't think they want 10 books. So let me see. I have to narrow. <laughs> so I will try to narrow. Um, but I will say on my Instagram, solbookbox.com, I give lots of different book recommendations. So you can check it out there. But if I had to pick just a few favorites, um, one that I really love is called La Siesta Perfecta which is by an imprint called Nube Ocho out of Spain. Um, it's really, really good. Another one of theirs is Daniela Pirata. So both of those are great. La Siesta Perfecta, Daniela Pirata. And then my friend, actually, Juana Martinez-Neal, she also lives in Arizona like me. She just released a book called Alma y Como Obtuvo Su Nombre, and also in English, Alma and How She Got Her Name, which is just a beautiful story about a little girl um, who's Peruvian, and she's asking her dad why she has such a long name. It's like Alma, Pura Esperanza, Candela, Jose, Maria, I don't know, like a super long name. It's and beautiful. Like, I, I got that. I got that book from, from Seoul. Yeah. <laughs> that was my yeah. first book. Yes. Oh, nice. We love it. Yeah. Yes. I love it too. Yeah. And it's, you know, I know her, so I had been waiting that for that book for a long time because I saw it when it was in draft and then got it when it was finished. Um, for little kids, board books, uh, I love the Canticos books, which I think you, I know you had her on your podcast before. So those are really beautiful and well done, as well as the Little Libros books by Patti Rodriguez. Um, those are, I think, probably the best ones for board books. Picture books, there's like more options. Board books, it's pretty much just those two. <laughs> and then a lot of translations. Um, but picture books, there's like una infinidad de libros. So yeah, check the Sol Book Box Instagram. There's more, but I think those would probably be my top tr top three for now. I know we could have an entire show just about this, just talking yes. about books. Book recommendations. <laughs> I, know. I know. We are often man. tempted to just do that. <laughs> I would listen. That would be a good show for me. <laughs> Where do you source your books? Do you uh, travel to get them or do you work with, imprint, uh, with the publishers here, both? I do both. I do travel. So once a year in Guadalajara, Mexico, there's a huge book fair. It's called La Feria Internacional del Libro, and they hold it every year in November. It's usually the weekend of Thanksgiving. So for the past two years, I've gone there, and it's just like it's massive. It's in a huge, huge, huge expo center, and they have publishers from all over the world, you know, um, displaying their books and 
I mean, it's just, it's enormous. I just think about it and I like start to stress about all of the booths that I haven't visited yet. <laughs> so I go there every year and I read through like tons and tons of books and write down things and take pictures and categorize and make an Excel spreadsheet. And that's where I source most of my books. What what other resources have you found useful in raising your, your daughters? Are there any other things you use at home that help in kind of that bilingual parenting? <laughs> uh, music, yeah. Music, I think, is a big one. Um, we, my daughter is a – she's – pretty musical. So we sing a lot at home, you know, the, the traditional songs, Los Pollitos Dicen and Las Mañanitas, she knows the whole thing. So anything that we can listen to in Spanish, um, we do. I mean, there's, there's millions of songs and all kinds of YouTube videos and Pandora channels and Spotify channels that focus just on music in Spanish for kids. Um, I know a lot of parents will do TV in Spanish. That's something that we haven't really... I mean, they're still pretty little, so their attention span for TV is like minimal, but I can see that being something in the future that we rely on if they are going to watch TV, that it needs to be in Spanish. Um, and thankfully, there's like more and more options for that too. So I think those are the big ones, books, music, and possibly eventually TV. And then just finding other people that speak Spanish, like other little kids. We do a Spanish immersion preschool and eventually a Spanish immersion elementary school which I think we're, we're lucky to have here in Phoenix. I know not everybody around the country has that resource, but if you do have it, I you know would encourage you to take advantage of it because it's just nice for them to see that mama and papa aren't the only crazy people that speak this language. Like there's other people <laughs> and even other people their age that speak Spanish too. That's encouraging. Yes, my daughter um, the other day was telling me she was very she came home very upset from from her preschool and she said none of my friends want to speak Spanish with me and I was like oh my god that is so difficult to hear and um, and we started talking about all of her friends that actually do speak Spanish because we go to these groups that are Spanish groups um, and and events and and usually the children there they're encouraged to speak Spanish so we started talking about those friends and then she realized that yes other children do speak Spanish she is not the only one because it, it tends to be the default language for for kids you know English it's just that's what they go to um, yeah. so yeah that 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 eventually becomes a thing <laughs> as they yeah. get older. Oh man, I'm that's sure. Sort of, yes, that's existential realization that hey, I I don't know what why aren't these people speaking Spanish too? <laughs> yeah, everyone in their little world pretty much speak English, and they're like, well, I don't know why am I why aren't I speaking English? Why am I speaking Spanish? Yeah, I'm sure that <laughs> will get trickier as we get further along. Where can where can you've you've mentioned your Instagram account Solbook Box and Raising Bilingual Bookworm? is your where they can find the parent bilingual tips and so forth are there any other places where they can find you yeah so solbookbox.com is the website where you can subscribe to the service that also i think that's probably the main hub it also has a link to the free e-course that we talked about and then you know you can get to our facebook page from there and the instagram page from there and we also have a facebook group um, <laughs> that you can join full of other bilingual parents. That's where we know each other from, Paula, pretty much. Yes. Um, <laughs> so solbookbox.com is pretty much where you can find all of that um, that we just talked about and the social media platforms too that we're on. 
Cool. And any last words of our advice for parents who are raising bilingual children or encouragement? <laughs> yeah. Um, I think the encouragement, yeah. for me, the biggest encouragement, because there are all kinds of, you know, we have parents that are all along the spectrum, some that are doing Spanish only all the time in their houses, some that are doing one parent, one language, where one parent speaks Spanish and the other parent speaks English, and some that, you know, do just a little bit of Spanish and maybe want to do more. So I think my biggest my biggest um, encouragement is that really any Spanish is better than no Spanish. So don't spend time feeling guilty about the amount of Spanish you do or don't have in your home on a daily basis. Like we're playing the long game here. So, you know, it's a marathon. Some days maybe you'll feel like you made these big strides and your kids learn tons of vocabulary and you talk a lot in Spanish. Maybe some days are not like that and you didn't speak any Spanish. Eventually, like a little bit of Spanish is better than no Spanish. And I think on a more practical level, like if you really want to get your kids to speak to you in Spanish, you have to make sure to create both the need to speak Spanish and also the exposure for them so that they, you know, they have that vocabulary available to them. So when they're trying to communicate, they don't get frustrated by all these words that they don't know. So I think having both of those things is super important because if they have the need but no vocabulary, then it's going to be really discouraging. And if they have all this vocabulary but really no opportunity to speak it or no no need to because nobody around them does or that's not expected of them, then that won't really work either. So I think on a practical level, that's important. And then on a psychological level, you as a parent, like your most important job is to enjoy your kids. Well, maybe not. Yeah, I think maybe the most important one along with some other things. So don't spend time stressing out about Spanish, just do your best and, you know, that will be enough. There's always, of course, room for improvement for all of us, but I think we're all doing the best we can and and really giving our kids this gift of being bilingual in whatever, whatever, at whatever level that ends up in the end. And they can always learn more as adults too, like it's never too late. So you're at least setting that foundation for them to continue their own language journey once they're not under your under your roof. It is. I love your perspective that, that this is a long game. It really sort of sets everything into, you know, it settles everything in, in your mind and makes you understand that, yes, it's not every day is going to be perfect. Yeah. And I think that helps too. We talked about it at the beginning, like sometimes it can be stressful if they're not, if they're not learning both languages at a, the same rate, or if they don't speak English at all and all of a sudden they're going to school and like expected to speak English if you just think about it like long term it pretty much will figure itself out eventually so I think that can really help alleviate some stress if you just think okay this is we got time like we have some time to make this work so I don't need to stress out and feel like everything has to be perfect now while they're still little it's I have some time Thank you again, Vanessa, for joining us today. If you want to sign up for Soul Book Box, go to soulbookbox.com. And come join us at Entre Dos Community on Facebook to discuss this episode. We really want to hear what you're reading with your kids now. Uh, you can also find us on Instagram at Entre Dos Podcast. And remember to sign up for the Entre Dos newsletter at entredospodcast.com. We'll be sending out a digest of the week's most interesting articles about bilingualism, resources to help you stay on track, and everything else bilingual.
Also, we hope you'll subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or wherever you get your podcasts. And if you like what you hear, please rate and review us. Uh, you can also find us on our network at allpointswest.net. Until next week, adios. Nos vemos.